Hilchus Edus, Laws of Testimony, Perak Shlishi Alacha Aleph, Echadinin Mamnus, Vechadinin Nefashes. Whether you're talking about a case of a monetary court case or a case of capital punishment, Vedishu Vechakira, there's a requirement to cross examine the witnesses. Shalem the Pasuk says, Mishpat Echadinin Luchem, should be one judgment for you, which here we're understanding to mean that all different cases have the same law, meaning this is a, is a uniform law that all different types of court cases, whether it's monetary case between two litigants or a case of whether somebody, for example, who was violating the Shabbos has to be executed, they all require the same uh, legitimacy and verification of the witnesses. Avil, however, said, so we shouldn't close, this, close the door, so to speak. Before loans, and that we shouldn't discourage people from giving loans. Witnesses who are <clears throat> going to testify on a, on, a, on a court case of money do not have to be cross examined. Witnesses say, In front of us, this person let that person, money, uh, 100, 100, uh, 100 zuz, 100 silver coins, in this year, they know which year it was. They don't, they don't remember what month it was. Fall, spring, summer. They don't, they don't recall what they were. Or the type of currency. The testimony is legitimate. Testimony requires two witnesses in the Torah. This is considered two witnesses corroborated on the same episode. We don't require them to corroborate exactly to the detail what, 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 what date it was, as long as it's legitimate enough that they both agree the loan took place or that, the, the, that there's an obligation to pay. That's the bottom line. All right. Now, what year did the Chacham decide to say, you know what, let's just do away with this concept of this cross-examinations? I don't know exactly. But uh, with the course of history, it seemed that people were not giving out loans because it happened that they had witnesses observing the loans. They relied on the testimony of the witnesses to get the money back. When it came time to sue the person to pay them back, the witnesses started you know, getting details wrong and so... And so loans stopped happening, which is a problem. So Chum said, "Let's just uh, let's just keep the basics of the basic uh, uh, cooperation of, of of what loan it was, how much money, for example, or the you know the minimum amount of money, as we'll see common, commonly that, that, that they agree upon, and the year. All right, base. But when is this true? But does We're talking about a situation of somebody admitting they owe money, or someone saying they they loaned money, matonis, gifts, machiris, sales, gifts, and things of that nature, which are Monetary cases. It's the case of a fine where you're not paying for the damage or for the loss of money. You're paying a fine as a punishment. So for example, if one person's ox scores another person's ox, and it's the first time it ever did it, so you don't pay the exact amount, dollar amount of the loss. There's a fine, and the fine is imposed based on how much money it is. So it's 50%. Sometimes the fine is more than the loss. If a person steals, he pays back double. Right. So the person steals, then he's caught red-handed, and the person takes his watch back. Now the person is being taken to Bezdin for the purposes of being convicted as a robber, or a thief rather, and having to pay back, besides giving back the $100 watch, another 100 as a penalty. All those scenarios, you do require cross-examination because the whole point purpose of not requiring cross-examination is to make sure that the basics of what people are suffering in terms of monetary loss or leaving out loans is not compromised. This is an extra measure. So it's not the end of the world if this is not exactly going to happen every single time. Guy steals your watch and the only thing you get back is your watch. You don't get the fine on top of that. Not the end of the world. So that's why we left the halach in place 
to require the cross-examinations. Okay. Same thing would be true of a person who is being testified against that he did a sin which requires lashes, or he killed someone negligently which would require him to go to Golis. The witnesses have to be cross-examined in the classical sense. What if, for example, it's a regular case, somebody offered a loan and gave a loan, he wants the money back, but the Dayan sees there's some kind of monkey business over here, he's not, he, something doesn't smell right, then again, the Dayan should cross-examine the witnesses in, in the classical sense, in the hope of tripping them up and exposing them as liars if he suspects them, maybe, if, he, if he suspects Maybe lying. Even though witnesses who are testifying about a monetary matter don't require cross-examination, if they offer information they weren't required to give and they contradict each other, the testimony is nullified. If, however, they contradict each other when it comes to the details that are not crucial, as we'll explain, then the testimony does stand even though they did not have to give uh, uh, that kind of, uh, even though they didn't have to give the information. Uh, so, or, or, so as we'll see. So because it, because uh, Badika is more detailed and nuanced than a Dirish of a Hakira. So Keita, for example. The Dirish of and Hakira, I forgot. Are the basic cross-examinations as to the time, year, date, etc., and location. And Badikas are very much more detailed questions, like what color, color was the clothing, what was, what was the... Uh, you know, details. What was the, what was this, the, the S and P five hundred that day? Things like that. Kate said, "Echad oimer benisan loving manner." One witness says that the loan took place during the month of Nisan. Now, remember, he doesn't have to say the month. All he has to say is the year, correct? But he chooses to volunteer what month it was. Vasheni and the second witness, instead of just saying that I don't know what month it was, it was this and this year. He says, That's important. He says, no, that's wrong. It was not in the month of Nisan. It was in the month of Iyer. At this point, right, even, when, even when the lender is saying, well, I lent it two times this guy. I lent him $100 in Nisan and $100 in Iyer. So I have two witnesses who are corroborating the basic amount. That's not good enough because you have now two witnesses who are each one is, 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 is saying the other person is, did not see what he saw. You don't have two witnesses on the same ep- on the same episode. You can't combine them in this case. Or for example, remember, they don't have to say the location in monetary cases, but they volunteered the location. The one aide says it was Yerushalayim. The other aide says, no, no, it was not. It was in Lud. Again, the, the testimony is nullified, even though they do not have to offer the information about what month it was or the location. If they choose to offer the information and they contradict each other, the testimony is nullified. And we don't even combine it. Funny enough, over here, we don't say, well, fact is there are two witnesses who agree that he lent him $100, at least, at least once. And therefore, we're going to combine it to make a $100 obligation. We don't say that, even though other cases that seem similar, we will, as you'll see. Here, we'll not, because the two witnesses are essentially, are essentially, are essentially uh, making themselves not a team. Mm-hmm. If one witness says he lent him a barrel of wine, says, "Shall it was a barrel of oil, and the testimony is nullified. They are considered contradicting each other in fundamental cross-examining elements of the of the questions. Right? That's because they're considered fundamental things like the location, the date, or the thing that was lent in this case. Right? Even though both witnesses agree that let's say a barrel of wine is $100, a barrel of oil is 110 They both agree, he, or he lent them $100 at least. No, again, you don't combine them. If one of them says, 
Manashachar, that the coins were dark, they were old silver coins that were tarnished and they were um, tarnished, I dumped back. Vashenia, remember Manilov and Hayalad, one says they were like, you know, freshly minted coins that were silver and white, white in color. Or, for example, one of them says that they were in this, they were in this location, this building, at this address, on the second floor. The other witnesses, no, they were on the first floor. In this case, as long as somebody from observing from outside could see both floors at once, so it's considered like they saw the same location. It's not because they're arguing, it's like arguing, it was in the shul. What side of the shul? Was the east side of the shul, the west side of the, of the room? Who cares? That's considered inconsequential. Therefore, the testimony stands. If you couldn't see both floors at once, that would be a contradiction, actually. But the, here, the case here is where you could see both floors simultaneously. It's like two porches, right? You have two open porches, and you could see both simultaneously. Okay. All right. Um, um, so, time, location. Those are the fundamentals. And, and, and uh, composition is, is nullified. Right. Even even and here's here's this. What if one of the witnesses says he lent him hundred dollars a month? It was two hundred dollars. of the we obligate the person to pay back hundred dollars. So yesh two hundred includes hundred. So both witnesses agree that there was a there was a loan of at least hundred. Uh-huh. Was it more than hundred? One says yes, one says no. But the hundred part they're agreeing upon. They combine this regard because it's considered one scenario. They're arguing about what was the how many how many dollar bills did he count out to him, right? So, uh-huh. they, so the point is that they both agree on a hundred. You would, you would combine it in this scenario. Uh, mind you, uh, by the way, you should put, probably important to point out that um, uh, that, that, that when, they, when they're arguing about the color, uh, they combine them because the plaintiff, according to how it's understood by most uh, commentaries that even though they're arguing very clearly what the color of the coins was, the plaintiff is saying, well, you're both right. I actually lent him 100. I actually lent him that year twice. Yeah. Once was a fresh coins, once was older coins. That's when you would combine it, apparently. That's, that's, okay. that's okay. In any event, uh, that, that's different, though, however, when it comes to a barrel of wine versus oil, that's a bit more different. That's what it seems. All right. Um, one of the witnesses says, he doesn't say exactly what transpired. He says he owes him the value of a barrel of wine. Not that he lent him a barrel of wine. He, he owes him the value of a barrel of wine. How that came to be is whether, whether whatever the case was that, was, that was the currency they used to establish the obligation. He owes him the value of a barrel of wine in that market day, let's say it's $100. It was the value of a barrel of oil, right? So again, they're not, even though this, this story may have been the same difference as a previous case where they're arguing like in their minds, what happened? What, what was the, content of the barrel but the way they're describing the case is what was the loan established as the value of a barrel of wine that the market day on that day or the value of a barrel of oil so essentially they're basically saying it was a hundred dollars but it was 110 the both agreeing was a hundred at least so again the misham pachash bedam he would have to pay the minimum of the common denominator a hundred dollars in this case all right from biblical you don't Except testimony, whether it's a capital case or a monetary case, the witnesses have to testify verbally. You can't text the Besdin. It says, on the mouth of two witnesses, from their testimony verbally, not from the writing. So biblically, you cannot send a letter of testimony to the court. However, the Chamim instituted, we decide monetary cases. Based on written testimony of a contract of a star, 
even though the witnesses are no longer alive. This is to prevent people from not lending money, right? Because if I know that I have to, unless I can find, the, you know, if I lend a guy $100,000 for, for 10 years from now, who says I'll find the witnesses? Who says I'll be alive? Who says they'll be? So therefore, the Chacham instituted that you can write the testimony that transpired at the time. You know, in this day, this time, we, uh, we, we the undersigned, were here when Ruven gave Shimon $100 and they agreed that on the bottom of the sign, Ruven ben Yilakev and Shimon ben Chatzko, right? That's considered a written testimony and that's considered valid. The ain donen be'edus v'shtav v'neknosis, however, you don't use it when it comes to fines, the monetary punishments, nor can you use it when te- witnesses write a testimony that we were together, we saw this guy eat non-kosher food, therefore he deserves to be lashed, all those cases you have to testify verbally. So the only time we let the testimony be considered legitimate in writing is when it comes to monetary obligations like loans, sales, gifts, inheritance, and things of that nature. Hey, call any time a witness testifies and his testimony is cross-examined and validated in the Bezim, they get, all right, check. Good, we heard you. Thank you for testifying. We, you know, baby, the moment we flush, whether it's a monetary case or capital case, a the witness cannot retract his testimony. Kate Oh, if he says if he says after he testifies, he says, I just realized I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm I'm I'm, I'm confused. Shego, you see, I was I was I was I made I was in, I was an accident. I, I uh, again I made an error. This guy to shave recall now recall that the situation is not such. The fact that CC or. I simply lied. I did it to scare him. I was hoping that I, I did it to, you know, to scare him into paying or whatever it is. A, Shemu, don't listen. Aphilonos and Tamadov, if he gives an explanation as to why he feels he made a mistake or why he lied. The Chenin Yachalaf, Simadus, did deny, nor can he add to his testimony a condition. So, for example. But what does it mean we do, we do not heed him? Heed. We, don't let him we don't let him listen. We, we, don't, we don't pay attention. Oh, okay. Right? So, for example, after he testifies that he sold the property to him and he gave him the money and all that, he, and he says, and he, his testimony is accepted and verified, he says, you know, I just remembered something, that when they made the deal, they made a condition that the, only, that the sale will be nullified in one year unless he agrees to do X, Y, and Z. We say, no, no, sorry, too late. We're not, you, you, you didn't say that before. We can't hear that. that we, don't, we don't pay attention. Here's the principle. Anything the witness will say after his testimony has been are cross-examined and, and ratified or verified, a result of that will come that his testimony will be nullified or an additional condition. We don't pay attention to it. Right. Exactly. So um, the Mephoshim actually say that uh, if he says something that's very clear that when he said it he was erring because of let's say a, a terminology or something that's very clear that we, we he's not trying to change it he's trying to clarify himself in a way that's and, and it's clear that when he said it, he was erring we're not relying on him we're not relying on him saying oh I made a mistake I realized it actually was it didn't happen but it's clear that that he when he's saying that he made an error while he was testifying based on let's say a language difficulty or something like that you may, in that, those scenarios, you, there is room to actually have him retracted the edus. But it's it more nuanced. To, okay, anyway, but the, the general rule of thumb is that you can't just go back and say, you know what, I got a confession to make. Yesterday I testified that I saw him. I wasn't there. I was just kidding. I, I said it because whatever. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. When witnesses, now, so now we, we know that you can testify in writing. Uh-huh. And we know you cannot retract. Now, when witnesses sign a contract, in other words, the contract is written in a way that they're, that they're, they're saying, we, the undersigned, were there, we saw this transpire. 
That's as if they testified in court. Therefore, they cannot retract. Because oh, it's written. Provided that the, that the court has the ability to verify the star as valid without the original signers coming and saying, yes, we hereby verify those are our signatures. We don't need that. We can do without them. We have our own witnesses who recognize the signatures. We have another contract with identical signatures that's been verified by a different court. So we know that it's verified without them. What if there was no other way for us to verify that these are the signatures? Unless they come on their own two feet and testify that, yes, it's our signatures. And they do so. They come and they say, yep, that's my signature. I signed that contract. Each one of them says, they say, that's my signature. However, we signed under, under duress. We were afraid the guy, the guy told us, if you, don't, if you don't sign this contract, that this guy owes me a million dollars, I'll kill you. You know what? We were minors. We didn't know better. But, you know, or we not we didn't know better. They're just saying, we were, we, yeah, we signed. It's our signatures. It was, it was, you know, this was, the date's all right. And we were 11 years old each. Now, can a minor testify? No, you have to be an adult. Creative Mayinu, we were relatives, right? For example, let's say they say, you know, at the time, we were married to this, to, to, uh, one, of, one of them says he was married to the, to the sister of one of the parties. That makes him a brother-in-law as disqualified. He's not married anymore, maybe. She passed away, they got divorced, whatever. But at the time, we were relatives. So at the time, the signature was invalid. But we were, we were we were mizzled. We were deceived, we realize now, Right. So, in that case, because the only way we have verification to the signatures is their, Witness. is their saying such about mm-hmm. themselves, simultaneously which they're saying that they actually did not sign it legitimately as testimony, that's, that's believed because it was never ratified, it was never verified. Right? It's like they're walking into bed and they're saying, I hereby testify that I was there as a seven-year-old boy when I saw that transpire. That's nice. We trust you. The problem is that the Torah says if you're seven years old, your testimony is invalid. So therefore, we hear as well, again, but if, however, this, this, this contract is verified without them, we have other people who know their signatures, they walk in the next day and say, by the way, we were kids. No, we already have signatures in front of us. It's been verified, so they cannot retract. Zion. What if they say, you know, at the time we signed those that contract, neither of us were religious, right? So we weren't Shomer Shabbos. So therefore, we're not dis- we're disqualified as witnesses. You know, the truth is, we did testify, but we took bribery. We took, we took a, a bribe to testify this, which, which, and therefore, we, and, we, and we lied. Or even if we say, you know, we told it, which, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. But we were paid to sign. Now, when you're paid to testify, even if you're telling the truth, it's, it's, it's disqualified. You're not, not right? So, they're not believed. They're not believed. Uh, uh, in the previous case, they're believed to say that this is our signature, but we were children. But when they're trying to say that this is our signature and we were sinners, they're not believed. Because a person is not believed to incriminate himself. Because you cannot testify against yourself. You're a party of interest. You cannot testify against yourself for the good or for the bad. She ain't other mice, not Russia. A person is not believed to, to qualify himself as a Russia. If other witnesses say that those guys who signed on this day at the time were not Shabbos observant, that would um, qualify them as Rosh and therefore would be disqualified. Mind you, when they said in the previous halacha vav that we were coerced because we were afraid for our lives. They're translating, not re- you say not religious, they're translating by wicked. Wicked means halachically wicked, yeah. So I, what I'm saying is that, is that it's considered someone who does any kind of avera, mm-hmm. someone who... Uh, He's hungry, he goes to McDonald's. Right? He has, he has he gets a hurricane. At that moment, he becomes disqualified to testify 
until he does tshuva. Okay. Yeah. Similarly, if he says that we signed it, but we signed it on trust. The borrower and the lender both agreed that they're going to write the contract that the lender has so that as soon as the borrower needs the money, as soon as he finds the, he wants to bet on this horse, right? He needs cash quick. No time to write a contract. So they write a contract now that he owes him $1,000. He lent $1,000. Whenever he needs the money, he's going to come and he's going to lend him $1,000. That's not allowed. You're writing in a contract that you lent him but it never actually happened. It's very nice that the borrower and the lender trust each other, but the contract is false testimony. And if they say that, they're essentially saying, we lied. We said on this day, this time, we saw him lend him money. They both agreed for us to lie for them. It's still a lie. Ain't them money, we don't believe them. We, believe, we don't accept their, their statements. Accepted. Exactly. And therefore, the contract is valid. A person signs such a contract, he's essentially testifying falsely. You're not allowed to agreement yourself. That's why in the Halacha and Vav, we said that they said, Anusim Hayinu, we were coerced. It has to be they were coerced by threat of their life. If they were coerced, because guys, listen, guys, if you don't sign this contract falsely, I'm going to talk to your boss and get you fired. They're still not allowed to testify falsely. It's not a good excuse to testify falsely. That's, that, that would be them saying, we, to keep our jobs, we sinned. That's not believed. That's why we have to explain that in Halacha Vav, when they say we, we were threatened, that means they were threatened with, with, with their life, which is, which is a legitimate reason to do that. Okay, Ches. Right, so, so again, they're coming and saying, listen, we're confessing. This, this, this thing we signed on, it's bogus. We don't believe them. Right? Because you now believe to say that. The star is valid. Ches. witnesses say, This contract that we, that we signed, that this person sold that to, you know, Ruvain sold this property to Shimon. Ruvain told us the day before, listen, tomorrow Shimon's going to come. I'm going to sell the property. I'm telling you that I'm giving notification. I'm doing it under duress. Right? That's what witnesses say. Yeah, we signed it. But, we should, but, but Ruvain told us the day before that he's doing this whole process. Because he's forced to. Because he's being coerced to. Yeah. Even though we don't need them to test to verify the signature, we have other sources. Hey, the money, they're believed. Because they've done nothing wrong. The, 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 the seller... When he tells them, tomorrow I'm going to sell it to him, but I'm giving a notification now, I don't want it to be legitimized. That doesn't make it a false sale. The witnesses are still allowed to say that we witnessed the sale transpire. Ruvain said such and such to Shimon, Shimon paid Ruvain money, and they shook hands. That's all they're saying. They're adding, as they were requested to, that the day before, he told us he doesn't want to do this whole thing. Now the Bezdin does that information whenever they want. But that doesn't disqualify them as sinners. They've done nothing wrong. So therefore, they are believed and the contract is invalidated. Not in Yes. Test. If they say, yeah, it's all true, this sale happened, we're there, but they made a verbal commitment to make a condition, right? Such and such a condition, whatever it may be. So if their um, uh, signatures, we have another source to verify the signatures, they're not believed because we don't need them. So essentially, if they're trying, they're trying to make the sale val- uh, changed or invalidated by tacking on a condition that's not written here, if we don't need their testimony, we don't we say sorry. But we, all we need to know is these are your signatures. We know it already without you before you guys came. So have a nice day. Contract is valid. However, if the contract cannot be verified, unless they, because the only source we have to verify it is them saying that the signature is such and such, is, is their own signatures, the money are believed. The same principle, right? But even the Baladin, we tell, we tell the Baladin, well, 
these witnesses who came, and they're the only reason why we know these signatures are valid, said that the condition was such and such to, for the sale to be valid. Fulfill the condition, and then we'll, we'll judge the matter. All right. Halacha um, Yud. Now, Halacha Yud can be understood in two ways, right? Let's, let's, and, and they're really not contradiction because they both agree, though two different ways of understand, understanding Halacha Yud are in agreement. The question is, is Halacha Yud discussing scenario A or scenario B? But both explanations agree what the outcome would be. The question is, what is the, what is the scenario describing? Amar okay. Echamei, one of the witnesses says, right, you have two witnesses they, on, the, on a contract and they both come to Vezdin and they say, uh, or, or sorry, the, the two witnesses on a, on a contract and they say, one, oh, and they say it's, our, it's our signature, right? One of the witnesses says there was a condition. Condition. Vashem says lohesh that there's no condition. They both agree to signature. The question was a condition. There is one witness. So the simple understanding over here is that there is no other way to verify the signatures except for them. We need them to verify the signature. They do that. They say this is our signature, and one of them says yeah, but there was a condition. So the person who's saying there was a condition and therefore the sale is not valid or the loan never ha- the loan isn't verified, let's say, is not, not obligated, we, we, believe, we, um, we believe that because the only way we know it's a signature is from his testimony. So therefore we accept him. The other one says, no, there was no condition. The loan is outstanding. So we, we essentially, essentially one witness is saying there's no obligation here or the house, the gift never happened, for example. The other one's saying the gift is valid. There was no condition. So what do you do we have one witness? The defendant has to make an oath. That's, the, that's one way of understanding it. The other way of understanding it is, in fact, the opposite. That, that, and again, the opposite understanding agrees with this halacha. Just it says that the scenario is describing a case where um, we have a different source to verify the signature. We don't need them. We have, we have other, you know, another contract, identical signatures. It's been verified by different courts. We know these signatures are not forged. That's fine. And when one of them says there was a condition, right, he's not believed. Uh-huh. Right, so so um, so there's only so there's only uh, um, yeah. So there's only, only one. There's two witnesses who are saying the contract is valid, the, the sale, the, the gift is valid. One of them says there was a condition over here, right? But that one witness is, is of no consequence. That's the other way of understanding okay. it. So both agree that, that, that those two things are true. The question is, what is the actual scenario over here? All right, When it comes to monetary cases of halacha, again, the principle that we only receive testimony in front of the, excuse me, you must testify in front of the person. You can't testify in his absence. Right? What if he was sick? Right in the hospital, or what if the witnesses that the guy wants to bring to testify that he, that, 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 that he owes him money are going to leave overseas? And if he waits, he won't have a chance. Then we make an exception, meaning we let the, the, the testify even though the other person is not is not uh, not present, or if the witnesses were sick for that matter. When it comes to verbal testimony, if it's in a contract, if I bring a contract to court that says you owe me a thousand dollars, I lend it to you, and has witnesses, Bezin has the right to verify the contract, even though you're not present, because we're not taking the money from you. All we're doing is saying the contract is valid. 
Whether you're pressed or not, and you're going to scream in your time, stand on your head and scream, it's a forgery. It doesn't, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. So who cares if you're here or not? Even if you're standing and screaming, it's a, it's a forgery. They're lying. They're invalid witnesses. You don't pay attention to him. Rather, we validate the contract. And if you have kind of testimony to back up your, your, your claim, that it's a forgery, then you'll you, then you'll do that in, in the in the court case. But that does not prevent the contract from being validated as valid signatures. All right, you base call Anybody who has witnesses, I have witnesses that against you, etc. It's my responsibility to bring them to court. I can't say you bring them to court. If you don't bring them to court, it's a proof you're lying and you owe me the money. No, I have a proof. I have an obligation to bring them to Gabezdin. Or if you have witnesses that that, that that say that you don't owe me the money, you already paid it back. Well, bring the witnesses to court. Don't make it my responsibility. The person knows that you are a bully, that you are a person to bully. And the, and the, the other person says that he's a, the witnesses are afraid to come. They're afraid to testify against this mafiosa guy, right? The Bezin says, okay, you have an obligation to bring the, to bring the witnesses to Bezin who are going to testify against you and promise them you're not going to hurt them. And even though maybe you did nothing wrong over here, you're having a good week, that's what you get for being a bully. That's how we, we treat, treat a person who has a uh, history a history of being right, a history of being a bully. We, that's this punishment. It has to be this. He has to be the person to assure the witnesses they will not have any uh, any uh, negative harm done by testifying against him.